Heavenly Father, we would see Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would hear Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would be moved to love and serve Jesus today. Amen. Please take out your prayer books and turn to page 332. Let us say together the comfortable words, beginning with the introduction, hear the word of God. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying, and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen. One of the favorite verbs the English reformers liked to use with the gospel was allure. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word is derived from practice, the practice of falconry, where they cast a meat-laden lure to recall a bird of prey. Such hawking was a pursuit for gentlemen and thus a common recreation amongst the courtiers of Henry VIII. Even Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was a frequent falconer. He was well known to find refreshment after long study through hawking, for his father made sure his son was practiced in the sport from youth, that they might know that he had been born well, despite their relatively modest means. Therefore, to understand Cranmer's comfortable words, we have to have in mind the image of them, these words as a hawk soaring heavenward, an upward spiral motion, not unlike Yeats's gyre, a flying corkscrew, if you like, circling back on itself, but an ever-increasing higher level. Where does Cramner begin his hawk? Why, of course, on the ground. Yesterday we read, Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. He begins with the human condition, human longing to be rescued from weariness. But where did the words head next? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Human longing to be rescued from weariness is matched by divine longing to rescue, to lavish his love on us that we may be delivered from the burden of our wearying anxieties. Today, we look at the third scripture verse in the comfortable words. The scriptural fountain circles back now once again to the human condition, but at a higher level. Hear also what St. Paul says. This is a true saying, and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Yesterday we didn't hear anything about judgment, fear, law, guilt, only longing, human longing, and divine longing. But now we've circled back, and now at a higher level, and now the human condition is not just about how we feel, but rather the objective consequences of violating divine law. We are sinners who need to be rescued. Humanity suffers spiritual fatigue. We are weary because that is the most readily apparent fruit of human sinfulness. As rebels against divine order, we are cut off from God's peace now and stand under threat of divine wrath to come. Thus, from our sinful actions spring two sources of human misery. On one hand, we are slaves to act out in selfishness, straining our relationships and leaving us stranded in places we wish we had never visited and now can't seem to leave. On the other hand, we live with an innate sense of conviction for all the hurt our selfishness has caused. Conviction for all the opportunities we have squandered. Conviction for all the deceits we have practiced to avoid accountability. Conviction for all our running from the consequences of our actions. And it is wearying always to be running, isn't it? Therefore, humanity's refreshment, what Jesus has promised, can only come by addressing humanity's sin. The good news doesn't start with sin. It starts with human longing, but it cannot address and relieve human longing without addressing human sin. But equally true, it's clear that addressing sin is beyond our abilities. We have been so weakened by the power of sin that we cannot cooperate with grace to achieve our salvation. According to Thomas Cramner, if it's up to us to work hard with God's help, but still up to us to be good enough, quote, that's the ready way to desperation. It's wearying 
to be running from desperation, isn't it? Always trying to pretend to ourselves, to others, and to God that we are better than our heart knows that we are. That's why 1 Timothy 1.15, which we've just read, makes plain the reason why Jesus came into this world. This is a true saying of all men to be received. Christ Jesus came into the world to condemn. Is that what it says? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's Christ's mission to save us, not our own. Cramner's homily on salvation makes that perfectly clear. Justification is not the office of man, but of God. For man cannot justify himself by his own works, neither in part nor in whole. But justification is the office of God alone. The English reformers realized that Jesus alone is the answer to our sin-wearied souls. We can see this in Cramner's absolution at communion. Do you hear what the priest says in absolution? Have you noticed that he uses two verbs, pardon and deliver? Is Cramner merely being verbose? Or does he understand the two sources of human misery? That we need and only God can heal a conscience wounded by selfish acts. We need to know that we are forgiven. That we can face ourselves because we are forgiven. And in the midst of our destructive addictions, that God doesn't leave us alone chained up. That he comes to us. Remember we said yesterday the difference between unconditional affirmation and unconditional love? Is that unconditional love is a power at work in our wayward hearts. God's love wooing us back to love him and others more than self and sin. We hear every Sunday, pardon and deliver, because we need to be afresh, set free from guilt and bondage, that we might live more into the love God has lavished on us in Christ. Divine, gracious love inspires grateful human love. That is the gospel promise that Cramner has made centerpiece of his communion service. But how is such a promise kept? How is it possible? That is our fourth and last comfortable word. 
Hear also what St. John said. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The flying corkscrew has now come full circle. Human longing, divine longing, human viewpoint of salvation, divine viewing of salvation. If we wanted to know from 1 Timothy 15, how can we be saved? The last comfortable word explains from God's perspective, how can he save us? How can God be true to his righteous nature and his enduring love for unrighteous humanity? 1 John 2 concisely puts it right where it is. God's justice requires propitiation. The fulfilling of his determination to destroy sin because of all the hurt and harm it causes. Okay. Divine wrath. That doesn't really feel good to talk about, does it? It's not a popular topic. But think about it. If he doesn't love us enough to stop hurt and harm, what's the point? I spent a summer in Uganda in 1983, right after Idi Amin had been overthrown. And Idi Amin had overthrown Milton Obote, and to keep in power, he killed 700,000 people. When Milton Obote overthrew you, Idi Amin, guess what he did? He learned from the person that overthrew him, and he killed literally three times as many people. But he wasn't a flamboyant personality like Idi Amin, so we didn't hear about it in the Western media, but I lived in the midst of it. Anyone here seen Last King of Scotland? I wept. throughout the film because it captured real terror. Everything seeming absolutely normal, but you knew in an instant the shoe would fall. And if you were lucky enough to still be alive, you would be fearing for your life. That's terror. And that's what you want a loving God to put it into. If heaven is just like earth, tell me what's the point. Of course, Cranmer's Confession for Communion explicitly acknowledges the need for propitiation that God's wrath must destroy sin. What do we say? By thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. That's why the only answer to human misery must be utter divine graciousness. Only God can propitiate himself, only God can satisfy his justice and make room for us to still be a part of his eternal kingdom. 
Once again, Cramner's Eucharistic prayer makes clear the complete effectiveness of Christ's death to take away God's wrath. The cross is a full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation, satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. In the words of the homily, the justice of God and his mercy did embrace together and fulfill the mystery of the redemption. Remember on Monday we talked that Jesus was seen as judge in the medieval church? Jesus, the immortal one, dies, so mortal men and women can be immortal. He comes to us not as our judge, but as our defense lawyer, as our advocate, to proclaim that what we cannot do, he has done. And therefore, in the light of the cross, there is no condemnation. We are loved. We are redeemed. We will be eternal splendors. Thanks be to God.